Welcome on back. We are here for week seven preview, week six recap. Uh, pretty solid week six. Um, halfway through the season, most teams have played six games now. There's probably a couple bye weeks this week. Um, but we're halfway through the season. How are we feeling, BCB? Uh, not not too bad. Feel like feel like kind of we're in the same spot as last year. Had a couple bad beats early on, but rebounding a little bit, had some bad beats this past weekend, got the biggest play home with UCLA. So Ole Miss has the bye week. So probably gonna go out of town, do something fun, <laughs> enjoy the, the Saturday off, take the games in somewhere. Yeah, as well, well deserved. Um, old mess looks like a wagon. Um, we are deep into conference play now. Um, we also had games last night. Coastal Carolina beat uh, App State last night. Shout out Coastal. Um, I didn't believe in them, but it was the first time they've won um, their first win out of their one in six at Boone. Um, they're usually pretty good against App State at home. They're not very good on the road at App State, but uh, it's very interesting because uh, this is a Coastal team that looked terrible and an App State team that competed with UNC. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we have football legitimately every night now. It is awesome. Um, we have games games tonight, games tomorrow. Um, I, I was telling BCB before we started, this is – we're getting to my favorite time of the year. Uh, where we have, um, I guess, four major sports. We got college football, NFL, uh, hockey's kicking off, and NBA's kicking off. Uh, not for everyone. We're here for college football, but um, I love this season. Um, Thanksgiving's right around the corner, which is also my favorite holiday. Um, but, yeah, um, any, any initial thoughts, uh, headlines here, BCB? Yeah, just uh... – Going into going into this week, so you've got got some big games on the slate again uh, this week. Got some marquee matchups here. We'll break down. I think we got four ranked on ranked games. Uh, also a loaded night slate. So if you like day drinking with and being really drunk, watching the best football of the day, this weekend's for you. Most of my college football gear is all hoodies. So living here in the Midwest, it, it's pretty nice to to have a full wardrobe uh, for every Saturday now. Gonna gonna pick out some of my favorite hoodies to. Uh, to get a little loose in on the weekend. Uh, I think, you know, from a storyline standpoint in college football, the Dion thing kind of went away as soon as it is, is, is like as much as it, as quickly as it appeared, uh, they kind of rode that out, got squeezed the lemon for everything. And then now it honestly looks like though, they're, they're still winning games. Uh, they won last week, a hard fought game at Arizona state. So we'll be interesting to see uh, if that, that picks up storyline, if that storyline picks up steam again because they have some big games left in the schedule. I think the main thing really is now, though, is just I hate I hate that it becomes such the focus of everything, but four-team playoff, got a lot of teams that are alive for it. So a lot of scenarios. I think it'll be a really interesting second half of the season. Also still think the Heisman Trophy race is wide open, too. Nobody's really taking it over, although that may change this Saturday. Uh, there's a pretty big uh, marquee game for two major contenders, so we'll see see how that goes. But yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff to keep the keep you entertained, um, keep you keep you going. Also, we, we did pretty good on uh, some of our futures bets so far, so still got some of those that are alive for pretty big prices, including a pretty big game this weekend for one of the futures that we have at a nice price. So 
lot, lot left, a lot of work left to do still. Uh, it's, it's bittersweet though being at the midway point. Hell yeah. Uh, lots of football left here, but uh, yeah, we're in the thick of things now. So uh, cold weather football hoodie season is in place. start with our uh week week six recap uh we actually had some awesome football games on saturday um the day got started with the red river rivalry and boy does that game are always deliver um it just always delivers um it it's awesome i mean dylan gabriel kind of put oklahoma on his back I thought that Texas defense was decent after seeing them go into Tuscaloosa and shut down Alabama. It makes me think that Alabama offense is really not good, but it's also really hard to judge teams against other teams because it really doesn't matter, especially with some of these big rivalry games. I would say huge win for Oklahoma. They're now in the driver's seat to win the Big 12. Um, I would say Dylan Gabriel kind of proved me wrong. Um I, I he really put that game on his back. I I some of the runs he had were just gigantic. Um, but that I mean that game just delivered. It was it was fantastic. Uh I, I think both teams I Texas kicked a late field goal to go up and Oklahoma scored very quickly. And is that what happened? I think that's what happened. Uh yeah. but yeah, thoughts BCB. Yeah, so it was just a crazy game from the start. So, like you said, so Oklahoma goes down, scores pretty easily, uh, which kind of set the tone for the day from an offensive standpoint for him. Uh, Texas just didn't really have an answer for Dylan Gabriel in the run game, which kind of caught me off guard. I thought they would be able – because you know they were going to try and do it. Uh, but Gabriel, 14 carries for 113 yards and a tutty. So, we said, you know, Quinn Ewer's legacy game, he actually didn't play terribly, 31 for 37, 346 yards and a touchdown, but he had two INTs. Uh, one of them was late, I think. Um, but, yeah, no, to start, so you get the first touchdown, so Oklahoma scored within two minutes, and then Texas, their first touchdown was a blocked punt. So they blocked the punt in the end zone, and it kind of just set the tone. It, it's really kind of unfortunate, like we talked about, it seemed like Texas was a little bit over the hump. They were even leading late, so Oklahoma scores a touchdown with 15 seconds to go to to knock off Texas. So. Yeah, you, you had Texas, a team that looked like that they were going to win, not cover. All of a sudden, if they have the win over Alabama, then they have the win over Oklahoma. They probably have as strong a resume as anybody in the country uh, going into the playoff. But now Oklahoma, 6-0. and Texas is probably the best team they've played. They're in the driver's seat now uh, to at least I, – I would have to say I didn't check K-Ford's odds on it yet or anybody or S&P Plus, anybody that we follow. Um, for the the odds percentage, but Oklahoma's got to have a pretty good chance of getting to the conference championship game this year now, uh, barring like a huge implosion. Also, the Oklahoma defense was able to step up um, and keep Texas in line. Texas usually manufactures a bunch of big plays, or at least they have at times this year. That's how they beat Alabama. They weren't able to do it against Oklahoma. Uh, Yeah, Um, and I I – I mean, all signs point to a rematch here in the Big 12 title game, basically, um, unless bearing something else. I mean, I, I, there are a couple rivalry games um, 
like Texas, Texas Tech. Um, but I, I think these are the best two teams in the Big 12. Um, pretty, pretty, pretty easily the big best two teams. Um, and I, I think we do see a rematch for the Big 12 title game, um, which will also deliver, I believe. Um, so that'll be at a neutral site too. But yeah, I mean, I mean, good for Venables and Gabriel. I mean, going to Texas and winning this game is pretty huge. Um, really a legacy and I mean, probably cements cements Venables as their coach for the next couple of years, at least. Um, I mean, he's only been there for a year or two. He's still trying to get his guys in, but it's just such a big win on the road at Texas um, for a Texas team that was, they had all the hype. So there's one other big 12 team right now without a loss. You know who it is in conference loss and an in conference loss. Um, is it BYU? Close West Virginia. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh, and then, so you've got, and then you've got four teams that are two and one in conference right now in the Big 12. And then you've got another uh, three teams that are one and one. So <laughs> it's just completely wide open. Then Oklahoma, obviously, the only team with three wins. So, yeah, if you like Big 12 football uh, and, and you're a fan of a Big 12 team, you're probably not out of it. Uh, moving right along. So the next next game I want to get into quick uh was LSU at Missouri um this game was uh kind of really a shootout uh both teams putting up points um I I had I I forget the number I had LSU at but I think it was minus four and a half minus five and a half and I got an awesome late cover on the interception return for a touchdown at the end of the game LSU ends up winning by 10 um yeah, I mean, I, I, LSU's still a pretty good team, um, I would say. I mean, they could play upset here to maybe some other SEC teams. Um, that SEC is just kind of wild right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Missouri's a pretty decent team too. Um, but, yeah, did I get to see any of this game? Any thoughts on it? Yeah, I watched a lot of it. Uh, it's still crazy just how inept LSU is on the – the secondary from a secondary standpoint also this is like i said we had some bad beats this is one that broke our way because i had lsu minus the five too so, uh, so sometimes you turn your your losses into wins it's a good good feeling but the i don't know lsu is an interesting team to me they they got Jane daniels malik neighbors and then they sometimes have the run game going but other than that it's really nothing else i i would have thought with the talent they had on defense it would be better than what they are from that standpoint uh, they still, they're one of only three teams. So it's only in the SEC now since they beat Missouri. Uh, the only teams with three conference wins so far, are LSU, Alabama, and Georgia. So they're in good company, still in it. Uh, but they, they're going to have to shore some things up with that defense or else it's going to put a ceiling on what they can be as a team. And, and then Missouri, uh, it seemed like anytime they were getting the ball, it was just big play after big play. Brady Cook looked a lot better. Uh, apparently he had been banked up. He was healthy. So Luther Burden was was a solid player. Theo Weiss was like another one that they had as an auxiliary receiver that was um, getting some yardage. So 
Yeah, Missouri's not a bad football team. Uh, it's just tough to go out there and defend the kind of athletes that LSU has. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, Missouri and LSU are in different worlds. But Missouri had some nice players. I think they'll probably play spoiler to a couple of other people along the way uh, as well, too. Honestly, they could end up being the second-best team in the SEC East this year. I don't think that's really out. Uh, they'd be competing with, like, UK and Tennessee and Florida for that honor. I don't think that's really out of the question for them. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, getting on into the next game, I know you had this game nailed. Um, I didn't touch it, but um, and I, I didn't watch a lot of it. But Washington State at UCLA, um, I know you were all over UCLA. I've heard UCLA's defense looks excellent this year. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised. They might be ranked now, but they were not ranked last week. Um, and I know they have that quarterback out there where they're kind of, they're kind of just, they're letting them get out there and work through things, which is going to be, I think could be important here going into the second part of the season in conference play. Um, I think it's really good experience, but like who would think of UCLA as like a defensive school? It's kind of crazy, <laughs> like Brian Kelly defensive school, but um, I know you were all over this. You really kind of nailed that UCLA pick. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, UCLA was very close to blowing them out. So this is one where like kind of watching the game, will tell you a different story than the box score. So it was actually, it was like nine, three um, with like 30 seconds to go in the first half and UCLA had the ball on like the five or 10 yard line. Anyway, they're about to score. They're about to score, kick a field goal to go up nine um, or go up uh, 15 uh, or sorry, 13. We're sitting there laying three. Well, they throw a pick six uh, right on the goal line. So they go down in the halftime 10-9. And they move the ball really, really well for most of the game between the 20s and then just kept kind of stalling out in the red zone. It's one of those things where I think UCLA, they just went with the kid at quarterback that was the most talented one they had, who's the freshman Dante Moore. And he's going to go out there and make plays, but you also kind of got to take the good with the bad. The UCLA defense just stifled uh, Cam Ward and, and Washington State. So it seemed like UCLA tried their best to kind of uh, punt this one away and lose it uh, minus the three, but they ended up uh, covering, getting the win and the cover uh, with a touchdown. So I I don't know what the ceiling is for UCLA. They, their defense is really, really good. I think their offense is going to struggle in games. They got a huge game this week. Honestly, to an extent, they kind of remind me of the Iowa, the Pac-12 like where the, the defense is they're going to win games so that defense is just so good and then you got to hope you just get something from on the offense and you don't turn it over too much but they, they've got a solid run game um we'll see I mean Chip Kelly's good enough head coach that he's going to scheme some stuff up on offense that's kind of what they did they just kept attacking Washington State where they were weak on defense and it it was able to score enough points and they didn't turn it over too much so you're no, normally not going to have pick sixes uh every week and stuff like that so We'll see where it goes for here for UCLA, but they're definitely in the Pac-12 hunt now. Yeah, it just sucks. I want the Pac-12 back next year. Like I don't, I don't want this. I just, I want the Pac-12 for like the next five years. Like I don't want any change. Like give yeah. me this Pac. The the Pac-12 will be the same next year. I mean, a lot of lottery turners here. Um, same teams, like same competitive level. Like there's even some teams that are getting good, and we'll get into it here a little later, but. Arizona like that team has looked pretty fucking good um but the ne next game I really want to hit is uh 
Alabama at AM. We were on different sides of this game. I had Bama minus two. I believe you had AM plus two. Yeah. Um, I had them just straight money line, actually. I didn't take the points. Um, and I mean it was it was a typical AM letdown. Uh neither team could really run the ball at all. Um I thought Milrow was pretty good and athletic. I mean, he ended up throwing for 321, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, yeah, I mean, I, not a ton to stay, stay here. I, it was just kind of a SEC dogfight. Um, I think Alabama just kind of controlled controlled the ball offensively and was able to score more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 we, got a, we got a big A&M game this week, which – them in Tennessee's, I don't, I don't know what happens here, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I it was a, it was a good game. I it was competitive throughout. Um, there was a late Bama had a safety, uh, pretty late that put them up, um, put them up nine, made it a two score game, um, and kind of put it out of reach. Um, I think the Bama's defense, Bama's defense, kind of just was able to stop AM and AM and was it not able to get anything going on the ground. Um, but uh yeah, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think where we're at with Bama now is so I mean obviously you got Nick Saban. The assistants aren't as good as where they have been in years past, but they're still a well coached football team. And well coached football teams get better over time, like as the year goes along. So I think we're we're getting to a spot where they actually have great defense. I think Alabama's defense is great, probably top two in the country. Um, just in terms of talent on a weekly basis. And if they just get to the point where their offense is good enough, sky's the limit for them because they've only got one loss. So they've got some good wins now. Um, so it's really tough. Non-conference too. Yeah. Texas. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and then they'll be in the SEC title game against Georgia if it, if they keep rolling. So I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that again. I don't want <laughs> Uh, yeah, trust me, me neither, but <laughs> I don't know that we might've blown our chance on that one. So, uh, but no, I think it's, unfortunately, it, it just kind of seems like the Texas A&M Jimbo Fisher era has kind of plateaued. Like this is where you are. And I understand they didn't have Connor Weigman. You go in there, Max Johnson's still a better second quarterback than most people have though. And he has starting experience. Like it's probably a kid they feel like they can win with when they have him in the game at, they just weren't able to get the job done again. So it, it'll it be interesting to see how they respond here because do they have another scenario now for A&M where does your season kind of go off the rails like it did last year? Because then if it does, then then it gets really interesting with what happens uh, going into the end of the year and with, with Jimbo Fisher's job. But I think Tennessee's a beatable team for them. So if they come back and rebound uh, – in the spot i'd have to look it up is that i think that's yeah a&m's first conference loss so again they've still got it all on the table still make the conference title game so yeah i mean just some absolute disgusting stats here um alabama rushed for 23 total yards and a&m rushed for 67 total yards which is just i mean that's sec defense stuff the box like but that's I, I don't, that's crazy, man. Yeah, both teams didn't even combine for a hundred yards. <laughs> um, so moving right along, um, we had Kentucky at Georgia. This was kind of a bloodbath. I had Kentucky plus fourteen and a half, 
boy, was I wrong about Kentucky. Um, I thought they looked great against Florida, ran the ball extremely well. Um, Georgia's a different animal at home. Um, I think if you're going to get Georgia, you're going to have to get them on the road. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carson Beck's starting to sling the ball pretty well. Um, Devin Larry was terrible, absolutely terrible. Looked like Will Levis out there. Um, they weren't able to run the ball at all. And Carson Beck kind of just, I mean, Carson Beck went 28 for 35 for three, 89 and four TDs and one interception. Like, uh, just, just crazy. Brock Bowers is still one of the best players in that, in college football, an absolute monster. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, this is, I still think there's holes in Georgia, but I think as, like you said about Bama, as this season goes, they just get better. Yeah. It, it, like I said, so I think I said it last week here as well, too. I think Georgia was capable of playing at a level that we hadn't seen from them yet. And they definitely kicked it up against Kentucky. I didn't watch the game, but I was looking at box scores, uh, watching the live scores and stuff on Saturday. It became pretty apparent that Kentucky was done for uh, early on in that one. So I did, and then you got Stoops as well for Kentucky going out there saying that uh, if, you, if the fans have a problem with it, give them more money so he can get better players. So that was, <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting kind of way to approach it. But, I mean, that's the world that we live in now. So, I mean, he's also a guy that gets a bonus if he just wins a game. So it kind of shows you where Kentucky football stands in the Pantheon. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about that is, too, is, like, the fans are the ones have to be the boosters and provide the money. Like, the fans are the one have to cough up the money. Like, that's that's how this works now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, so, I didn't get to watch a lot of it, um, but Arkansas Old Miss, 20, they only won by seven. I took them minus 11 and a half. Your boys let me down. I understand they had a huge game and a absolute war with LSU last week. Um, and I, I think you had mentioned Arkansas always plays you tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, good solid win heading into the bye week. Like, did you get to watch that? A lot of oh, those. Yeah. 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 I watched, watched that entire game at the bar. So it got a little too rowdy. Arkansas actually had a lead at one point in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, but Jackson Dart had apparently banged his knee up early in the game on a design quarterback run, and he kind of struggled with some accuracy issues as the game went on. So uh, also Trey Harris, the number one wide receiver for Ole Miss, who I was talking about being uh, healthy and being back, tweaked like a hamstring or at least a lower body injury, they said. So he ended up being out most of the game, um, not playing full strength. Also, it looks like Pashawn Judkins. Uh, still a little banged up as well. He had a run where I thought he was going to be gone, and then they ran him down pretty quickly. So Ulysses Bentley kind of came in as a change of pace back, and that got him where they needed to go. And Jackson Dart was able to finish the game, but apparently his knee was swollen after the game. So something to monitor. I think the uh, the bye week came at the perfect time for Ole Miss. Also came out today, severity unknown, but uh, Jordan Watkins, the wide receiver, injured his hand in practice and then kind of around the same time news came out that uh uh Caden Prescorn our, our tight end uh his, his dad passed away today so it's been rough day for Ole Miss football um uh, you know very sad situation there with the Prescorn family so 
Yeah, I mean, at least I got the bye week. So uh, yeah. take take the weekend off, hopefully, for the boys. Everyone yeah. shows up to the funeral. Um, I will say, looking at these stats, I mean, you held them to 36 rushing yards. Rocket Sanders, like, that's kind of crazy. You guys rushed for 196, which it looked like Bentley had 96 of them. But um, pretty, pretty – Pretty impressive by the old Miss defense there. <laughs> so I, if Dart didn't injure his knee, also got called for a lot of penalties and stuff. Like the first drive, we had stopped them, and then they called a penalty um, that elongated the drive, and then Arkansas scored a touchdown. So I think it was one point I was – my buddy, I was watching the game with at the bar. It's like 17-7 going in the half, and it felt like it could have been about 31-0 Ole Miss if Ole Miss could do anything on offense. So um, it just – Sometimes in college football, you got to win your losses. And Ole Miss had a game that they should have won. And then, like, that's a game that in years past, some programs lose that game. Like, just like you said, kind of survive in advance. You get your conference win. You go to your bye week. Get ready to go to Auburn. Because now you got the guy who was almost the coach at Auburn who's facing Auburn. And Auburn's coached by a guy who used to be the coach at Ole Miss. So, it's a lot of – a lot of rivalry angles, and Hugh Freeze isn't well liked at Ole Miss either. So it'll be a big week next week for that game. Yeah, probably just two more games I want to hit on. Um, maybe a third one. Um, Notre Dame, Louisville. Um, I had Notre Dame. I was wrong. Louisville might be for real. I'm very concerned about Notre Dame's offense. Are they just I. Like, we haven't seen – we'll get into it when we preview week seven a little bit more, but, like, I haven't – I think Sam Hartman had a big week against, like, Navy week zero. Um, but, like, uh, that offense just isn't very explosive. And I guess – I don't know. Are they going back to how they were last year? Because they weren't very explosive last year. Very good defense, good running back, good line but they they just don't hit many big plays and i mean i think i think all three of us were on louisville um i know i think you were definitely on louisville yeah um, and can, do i say they might have a chance to go undefeated in the acc yeah they might they may very well um uh... That was one of those games where, like I said, I didn't love the spot for Notre Dame because it had just been war after war after war for them. Then you've got to go into a hostile environment on Saturday night. Like I said, I've been the yeah, I've been the Louisville games, man, and it's it's as close as to the SEC as you're going to get, like in the Midwest from a standpoint. So you you go hit up the fairgrounds over there and you tailgate, and the kids are getting after, and it's a fun time. Then you walk down by like Churchill Downs in the stadium and stuff. So it's uh it's a fun time. Um, yeah, the, I mean, and Louisville just handled them, too. Uh, it was uh, never really close. I think the interesting thing with Notre Dame is they spent the money on Hartman, right, and fixed the quarterback position. But I don't know that they really have anybody special at the wide receiver spot, which makes it pretty tough when you're going up against, you know, some schools that do, um, or at least when you're going up against schools that are matched up as you athletically. Like, because the Notre Dame offense came out to start the season pretty hot. I think I saw they scored on like 11 touchdowns on their first 12 drives. Um, so that's, that's certainly cooled off. They get a defense though this week that I think can be had. So we'll see how they respond. 
Um, they're actually favorites this week, so kind of interesting there. Uh, but they got a big home game. It's also Marcus Freeman. I, I, this guy's reputation has been a roller coaster so far <laughs> in Notre Dame. Once they, they love the guy, they hate the guy. Now they, you're not sure again whether he is the guy or not. So be interesting to see what happens this week. Um, I guess all you can ask for if you're a Notre Dame fan is that if it comes down to a game-winning play on defense, you have 11 guys on the field. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, it is a Notre Dame team that now has two losses. And they still get they still have to play USC and Clemson. Um, I I mean they're they're definitely better than last year. Uh, uh, we knew their schedule was a gauntlet. Um, but moving right along, I I didn't even watch this game, but I know we have to talk about it. Um, the Miami Georgia Tech game. Like I I I've only watched the play. I didn't really watch much of the game. And like I don't understand what Cristobal is doing. Like I don't wh- what why why like I just I don't understand. Just take the knee. Um, I I I don't get it. But like I, it it's it's just shocking how coaching decisions just blow games. But that's why we love college football. Like that's why we love college football is because of that. <laughs> Him and like Travis Dye cost me money a few years ago against Stanford with the same thing. Like I remember it vividly. And then he also like worded it weirdly after the game too, about like, he's going to have to think about it long and hard going forward or something. <laughs> like, yeah, you just need the ball, dude. Like <laughs> he's getting first, the, the sound. If you watch that video clip with the sound from the announcers, it's, it's even more hysterical because it's just like, they're first guessing him before the ball's even snapped. They're like, you can't be doing this. <laughs> and then uh, he snaps it and then it fumbles it. And then you've got Georgia Tech sitting there literally scored with one second left <laughs> to make matters even worse. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. The uh, the old Miss win over Georgia Tech looks a little better now, I guess, with, the, uh, with how that played out. But also just goes to show you in college football, if you're playing an inferior opponent, put them away. Like don't, don't give them as many chances as you want because something crazy is going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it, it's going to be a tough to see how Miami responds from a loss like that. I guess from the standpoint, there's no division. So like if you went out, you pretty much control your own destiny um, from the, from the conference championship standpoint. And, one loss teams are going to be in the playoff, but man, that's, that's tough to stomach knowing you had the game and you're just running the ball for no reason. Absolutely. Also, if you're the running back, if, and not that it's his fault, but they're running the play. Like maybe you just double skin it and fall down at the line of scrimmage. Like it, I get you it. You don't run into the middle. You don't run into the trenches. <laughs> you never do that. <laughs> like, or do a sideline. Like I don't, you just don't, you don't do up the middle. <laughs> Like, yeah, he was, like, running that play very seriously, too. Just, I don't know. I, I would almost think, like, at that point, because I don't – Georgia Tech didn't have any timeouts, right? So, if he just goes down, it's over. Over. Yeah, I don't – I uh, I don't know. I don't know why they were they were running that play. That's, that's a tough way to lose a football game. Brutal. Brutal way to lose a football game. Uh, the last game I really want to hit um... – Arizona at USC. Um, 
I I did not get to watch this game. Um, I know it, it was a three overtime game that USC just squeaked out. Um, we'll get into a little of the pregame, but I mean, looking at these stats, Caleb Williams had a terrible game. Um, 14 for 25 for 219, one touchdown. Marshawn Lloyd looked all right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I have lots of concerns about this USC team as they come into conference play. Um, and even a big game at uh, Notre Dame this week. Uh, did you get to catch this late night thriller? Yeah, this was awesome. So, like, I stayed up for this one. So, my Saturday night basically consisted of after the Ole Miss win, um, I got kicked out of some YouTube live streams uh, from some <laughs> burner accounts because I was too critical of the Ole Miss team. Um, so, I was, I was letting the angry out a little bit. Then – my girlfriend was already asleep. This game was on. I was pretty drunk, pretty hungry. So I made a pizza and stayed up for it. Um, watched the whole game. And then it went to overtime, so I kept watching. So Jed Fish kind of gets a pass because Mario Cristobal uh, ran the ball. But so first OT, USC scores, kicks the extra point. Arizona gets the ball second. They score a touchdown, kick the extra point, which – for the record, any team there is an underdog, you should just go for two and get it out of the way because college football in the second overtime, you've got to go for two. So Arizona gets the ball first. They go down, score a touchdown. Jed Fish sends the kicking team out on the field, has to call timeout, and then they see him over there talking to the ref, and you can see he goes, oh, I thought you didn't have to go for two until the third overtime. Well, the third overtime is just a two-point shootout. So he very clearly didn't know the uh, the college football overtime rules. So now he has to go for two. They didn't run a very creative play. They just ran this, like, pitch play that they had been running all night and had had some success, but USC blew it up at the goal line. And then USC scores a uh, touchdown and two-point conversion, and that was that was it. So it was just this terrible, terrible uh, overtime sequence from the Arizona coaching staff. But also Arizona was using their backup quarterback. So that wasn't even Jaden Deloria. The, the first-string quarterback for Arizona wasn't playing. So, Yeah, backup quarterback. Yeah, oh. yeah. He, he had had a big game the week before, too. So he's probably a pretty talented kid. I thought he made a lot of plays for him. But this USC team, yeah, I don't think they fixed any other problems from last year. It sure doesn't look like it. And I mean, I, once they have to see Washington and Oregon, I mean – I, I, major concerns. Um, we'll even get into it this week. Um, once we get into the preview here shortly, maybe we'll. This is kind of a. This might be an ideal like spot to kind of expand off the dialogue. But like the USC kids are all pretty handsomely paid. <laughs> like Lincoln Riley's kind of the same way too. Like I'm not saying the kids aren't invested because if you are, you don't you don't fight to to win the game, right? Like I'm not saying you're not invested, but. At some point, like, I mean, we'll see what they do Saturday, but it kind of seems like, yeah, like you said, so so USC, for their schedule now, six of their next seven opponents are ranked. Wow, that's crazy. Well, we're going to see a lot. We're going to learn a lot about this team. Um, any, any other games you want to touch on? No, I don't think there was really anything, um, anything else from last week worth – Worth kind of going over. Uh, Texas Tech kind of bounced back with a win at Baylor. Uh, 
Uh, Wyoming, I was on the border, did not take them. I wish I would have. They went outright against Fresno State. So if you're a G5 guy, that was a pretty big outcome. Uh, but other than that, there was not really uh, – oh, Kansas just absolutely uh, mollywhopped uh, UCF too. So That was my mortal at Kansas. And that funny thing is that game flipped to plus two after I, I – I had them at minus two when we recorded. I ended up taking the money line. Um, I was like – it was only plus 110, plus two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Beam just – they, they rolled uh, UCF at home. Yeah, and then I had William and Mary going for the FCS over the FBS. So that game started off 13-3, William Mary's up, and then they give up 24 unanswered. And they had the ball late and were driving. They would have had a first down within, like, it was have been, like, Virginia's 15-yard line. We could have at least got a backdoor cover there. Um, but they reviewed it and said that he was short, although it looked like the ball was across the first down line. So tough beat there. But now we'll go ahead and dive into this week's major games. Yeah, uh, real quick, anyone you want to put in Champions Club? Oh, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, well, we'll go. I don't know which player it was exactly, but whoever returned that INT for LSU. Yeah, uh, double, shout, double down on that guy. <laughs> yeah, shout, shout out him. Uh, also, too, shout out Carson Steele, the Ball State dude. Uh, Ball State boy with the UCLA has a pet alligator running back. Had a big game for him. Help get our biggest play home. So, got to put a, a fellow Cardinals alum in the the tub club, or in the uh, the dub club, the uh, the Champions Club here. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, let's get right into it. Um, got four, maybe five games to uh, preview this week. We're gonna get started with uh, probably the main event here. Um, this is the three thirty game on ABC. This is Oregon at Washington. Washington is a three-point favorite. This is Bo Nix versus Michael Penix Jr. Um, I am very excited for this game. Uh, this, this game is going to be awesome. I, I've watched both of these teams play. I haven't seen Oregon really struggle yet. I did watch Washington struggle at Arizona. They still ended up beating Arizona. Uh, by a touchdown, and I think we found out Arizona is a very, very um, – I, I they're a solid team. Um, I don't – nothing to sleep on. Um, but I this – this I'm interested to see if this game is a shootout or if this game is a defensive battle. I think Oregon probably has an edge on defense. Um, I think Oregon might be a little more well-rounded, but Washington is a very good team still all around. Um, I, I'll tell you, I'm leaning Oregon money line here. Um, I think Oregon's just a, a little bit better built team. Um, but going to Washington's a, it's a pretty daunting task. Um, but I, I am leaning Bo Nix on the road here. Um, and I, I, I do think the Oregon, Oregon defense will be able to get a couple stops and slow down Michael Penix, uh, junior. Um, but I mean, is this also the – Penix is still the front runner for the Heisman. Um, is Bo Nix still in that competition? Maybe Yeah, I, I want to say he was like 10-1, to 12-1 to 1 right now, um, depending on what book you're looking at. So, I mean, that's very clearly, especially, you know, midway through the year, if he goes and wins, that price could probably be as low as like 3-1. to 1. 
uh, Sunday morning, depending on the type of game he has. So I also do think there is uh, some rain in the forecast when I was looking it up today. So actually, sorry, Bo Nix is like six to one. So he's, he's the solid third choice. Uh, it's Michael Penix and Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. So yeah, very, uh, very real chance. He could be number one here um, coming out of the, coming out of this weekend. But yeah, like I said, I think there's some rain in the forecast. So that would definitely be advantage uh, Oregon. I also was looking up some stats here. So uh, Washington, their defense really might not actually be any good uh, based on kind of who they played. So they, they're 127th in pressure rate percentage um, on passing dropbacks. So they're one of the very worst teams in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback. They gave up 400 yards to Boise State and then 500 to Cal, which were the probably the two best teams that they played uh, thus far. But at least from an offensive line standpoint, they have kept Penix pretty clean. They've only given up a sack on like 1.5% of their dropbacks um, on Oregon's side. So Oregon, again, kind of the same thing. Uh, the one test they really had was Texas Tech. They gave up 450 yards of Tech, but they've held every other opponent to 220 or less. So I do think it's a huge step up in class, like whether they can answer or not. Um, I think, like I said, the rain will kind of slow down some of the wide receivers, I think, for uh, for Washington, which could be a huge advantage. Also, Oregon's getting, getting sacks on 11% of opponents' dropbacks. So the Oregon defense really going to be the key here to this game. Because I, I think Oregon will get their points. So it's a, whether or not they can stop Washington enough. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this game. Uh, again, 3.30 game uh, should be awesome. Um, next next game I really want to get into here is uh, USC at Notre Dame. Um, BCB, I believe it's possible. Do you think we could have three? Let me – I'll save that. Let me save that. Let's get into this game first. Um, I'll, I will – I'll get into that game after um, in that take. But so USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is minus three here. Um, I, I see this game going two ways. This is either going to be a dogfight, which I like Notre Dame in, or it's going to be a shootout, which I like USC in. I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, I have no idea. I, And I'm also interested to see if Sam Hartman can open it up and hit some big plays on this USC defense because it seems like everybody else has been able to this year. So I'm interested in that. And I think I just don't know what to expect. I'm leaning USC here because I think they'll be able to get – I think Caleb Williams will be able to create enough time and they'll be able to make some big plays on Notre Dame. I mean, Louisville did just put up 33 on Notre Dame. Notre Dame has been through an absolute gauntlet here, like you said. Um, this is it's just a crazy schedule they're going through. Um, but I, I still I think this game is either gonna be a dogfight, which I think favors Notre Dame, or it's a shootout, which I think favors USC. And I, I'm just leaning USC taking the points here. I might even sprinkle the money line. Yeah, it uh it becomes a very interesting game. Um, for the standpoint of like Notre Dame's really just kind of gone as their offensive line is gone. So and the games where they've struggled, they've given up multiple sacks and haven't really been able to run the ball. Like I said, I thought going to Louisville last week was a really bad spot for him coming off of kind of a hard-fought win. I think this is a better spot for him. You also get a night home game now in South Bend. 
So that could be a huge, huge flip there for Notre Dame. But really, so USC's defense now, they've given up 500 yards plus in their last two games. That was Arizona and Colorado. And the Colorado game, right, there's really no excuse for that because you had that team put away. And then you let them back into the game. So uh, what? And then USC never really put away Arizona last week. Just kind of let them hang around, hang around. Um, I think that's really the first big test for USC from the standpoint of kind of going against somebody that that probably has talent. Maybe not at the skill positions, not at the wide receiver position, um, but in the trenches and, and on defense that has the talent that you do. Uh, USC has done a good job of rushing the passer so far this year. I think they're, uh, they have like a 10% sack rate. So they're getting sacks on 10% of opponents drop back. So again, Notre Dame's offensive line versus the pass rush. And then we called it a, a legacy game for Quinn Ewers last week. I think this is a Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley legacy game. Um, also an element too, like we kind of touched on how bought ends the USC team. Seems like every single week we get a brand new storyline with Caleb Williams making some reference to the NFL draft about who he's going to play for, who he's not going to play for, how much money he can make if he goes back to USC. Like, at some point, dude, you just got to show up and win the damn game that's in front of you on Saturday and move on and worry about the NFL stuff later on. Uh, so, and then Lincoln Riley also, like I saw in an interview, kind of hinted that he would like to be an NFL coach. So, <laughs> like, again, everybody there is making a decent amount of jack. How bought in is USC. I could see him. If Notre Dame gets up on him early, that, that becomes like the, the biggest what if scenario to me. Cause I think if UFC or if USC gets a big uh, lead early, they'll probably let Notre Dame back in it. If Notre Dame gets up big, does USC quit or like, what does that, what does that look like? Yeah. 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 I mean, we saw it with, saw it with Colorado, Colorado down, down two or three scores and came right back and, almost almost won the game at the end so um uh, it should be interesting i mean i also, think the I game means, well the game means more to usc i would think with notre dame already having two losses but um in south bend like uh pretty big road test here and caleb williams coming off not a great performance against arizona so um real interesting to see what happens here but yeah, I mean, looking forward to this one. And and honestly, too, like in a 12-team playoff year, I think you can make the argument that, like, a Notre Dame loss here wouldn't even eliminate them. Like, you would have – because if their three losses were USC, Ohio State, and then at Louisville, like in a night game, I think the committee would still find a way to get three-loss Notre Dame in a 12-team playoff. Oh, for sure, yeah, 12-team. Yeah. <laughs> like this game, yeah, like this game wouldn't matter. So they'd be passing they'd be passing up probably Mac champions and Sunbelt champions. And oh, for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be literally it's gonna be eleven teams. It's gonna be your eleven P fives and then whatever G five school they're mandated to put in now. Um, there's no chance they're gonna let anybody else in other than the best P five teams. But yeah, that's uh we won't get too sidetracked on that conversation right now. <laughs> uh Next game we want to transfer over to. Uh, so the, uh, this is the one I had a question on. Miami at North Carolina. Uh, UNC is uh, minus three and a half. The 7.30 game at Chapel Hill. Um, this is a, so ACC. 
Is there a chance that we have three teams that go undefeated in the ACC, go 12-0? and 0? I think there is, but I don't know how it's possible. Oh, just because of, like, scenarios on how it would play out? Well, Louisville, UNC, and FSU, I believe, all have the ability to go 12-0. and 0. I don't think any of them face each other, but I don't know how, the, how that works. Like, how don't none of them face each other? And I maybe it's because they got rid of the divisions, and it's just the crazy. But I, I believe that all three of those teams can go twelve and zero. I think FSU has the best chance, and then probably uh, Louisville, um, UNC has. They have this game versus Miami, and I, I, it's. I think it could be upset alert. Miami's coming off uh, uh, just a terrible break. Um, I do think this UNC team is very talented um i think they're very good they beat the shit out of syracuse last week wasn't even competitive they don't really have a solid win yet i mean they beat south carolina week one i don't think south carolina is real good um i do really like drake may and i think their defense is very good they still have to go to clemson and they play nc state in the rivalry game but i i believe I believe all three of those teams could be 12 and 0, which then I just, how do you even do an ACC title game? <laughs> Got a triple threat match, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. So th- I've just looked it up. Yeah. They all three could go 12 and 0. So that, I mean, if you want to see that thing break, dude, like if you want to see people's brains absolutely break, because two of them would probably be in. But then, so what do you do with the team that's not in? <laughs> like, do they just. Are they in the playoff? Like, I, I don't know, man. Because, I mean, then, then you'll have a 12-0 and 0 team, a 13-1 and 1 team, and a 12-1 and 1 team. Yeah. So, <laughs> it becomes a uh, – yeah, it becomes quite a conundrum there. I want it. I want – give me it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please give me all the chaos scenarios you can um, at this point. So, man, that's crazy. I didn't realize that was in place still. So – yeah, they all do play Miami too. So like Miami's really not out of it as well, it looks like. So um and then Clemson's what, two losses right now. So they're probably behind the eight ball, probably done. But uh no, this game, so I Miami has been averaging five hundred yards a game on offense. So they keep the offense rolling here in the Chapel Hill. Um Really, uh, on games that they've won, NC's been able to shut down the run game. Games they lost, they haven't. Uh, the Tar Heels probably are coming off their best complete game of the year against Syracuse. So, one of was a kind of a look-ahead spot. You got a big effort out of them, so I can imagine they're ready to go. Um, Miami still hasn't allowed 100 yards rushing to a team, to an opposing team this year. So, what can they do there? And then also, just how do you respond? How do you respond coming off that loss? You had your heart ripped out last week. You come back ready, you know, fired up to play a big game, or do you let down again? So let's see see what happens here. The, the Tar Heels, though, having a chance at being undefeated, making a run to the ACC title game. Not something I really would have thought I would have been saying earlier in the year. Yeah, no, it definitely should be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for chaos, so. I want the committee just to be sitting there like, uh, <laughs> give me, the, just give me the chaos. 
two ACC teams make it and everyone will be like, oh, people will go crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that. uh, the scenarios are definitely – this is probably the one year that you can make the argument that the 12-team playoff would have been really interesting (laughs) based on, like, who got in. I haven't been a fan of it in years past, but, um, yeah, this – I mean, you probably have four teams from the Pac-12 that would make a good playoff. Uh, the last game I'm really looking at is uh, another Pac-12 game we got here. So it's kind of crazy. We, we, I don't, we haven't done this very often where we're previewing legit five Pac-12 teams in a week. <laughs> um, but we got UCLA at Oregon State. This is the 8 o'clock game on Fox. Uh, Oregon State minus three and a half. Um, number 18 at number 15. Um and I, 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 I'm probably going to stay away from this game. If anything, I would take Oregon State at home. I just think that defense is extremely good. I think this will probably be a dogfight. This, I don't think, I don't see this being a shootout at all. Um, uh, it does worry me a little bit. UCLA away from home. Um, that's probably why I'm leaning Oregon State. And they, I mean, it's. I, Oregon State's just a great place to play at home. Um, night game there. Um, and I, I, I think they'll be able to win this in a dogfight. Um, but, yeah, probably hammer the under here and maybe take Oregon State. Um, maybe the, you, you said there was rain in Washington. I'm assuming there might be yeah. some rain in Oregon State, too. So give me some bad weather. Like, uh, let's, let's mix it up here uh, in the Pac-12. Yeah, this is going to be like one of those like kind of old school, like early 2000s NFL style defensive battles where you've just got two teams that I think are really, really good on defense and you're hoping your quarterback just doesn't make mistakes that kill you or break your back. Uh, Obviously, also opposite ends of the spectrum where you've got Dante Moore, who's highly talented freshman kid that's still kind of working out the kinks a little bit. And then you've got DJU, who's an ultra experienced, been around a long time. Down to kid who's also still working out the kinks. He still always makes uh, some plays that it seemed like kind of break his team's back from time to time. Um, but like I said, the UCLA defense has been dominating this year. The offense is a little bit of a question mark. Not really what we expect to say about Chip Kelly teams. They've given up 11 sacks the last two games. If they're going to let Oregon State get a pass rush, like what we saw Oregon State versus Utah at home, it's going to be really tough for UCLA to score. Oregon State so far been a much better team at home this year. Uh, they've they're giving up about 230 yards per game in their home games, and then 420 on the road. So the defense has played much better in Corvallis. And like I said, it comes down to you know what plays can DJU make here. Uh, what plays does he not make? Does he does he get not have the turnovers that have cost him? Is he able to just kind of go out there and manage the game, get a few points, and let his defense win the game? If so, I think Oregon State wins. Um, we've got the spread. It's like three, three and a half. Don't have a bet on it as of right now. That may change. This may be some of these games are all three. Like these major ones are all three. So I don't, I think some of them are going to be the two that I think will be kind of a defensive battle. Um, I may do a teaser of like where I take UCLA add seven on it. Um, so that way it gets you to the 10 and a half and then take the, the three with Oregon, get you a seven, get you to 10. And then you're within the number there. A pretty decent shot of being in the number. I'll uh, I'll tweet the official card, but we may have uh, the first teaser of the year this week. Love it. 
All right, let's get right into cards. I have, uh, I got, um, let's see. Mm, I think I have six plays with my mortal, so seven plays. Uh, getting started, picking Ohio State minus 19 at Purdue. This is a noon game. Purdue stinks. Um, Ohio State was also my minus, I think they were minus 17, maybe 19 last week uh, against Maryland. That, that was a home game, but they still ended up covering and winning by 20. Um, I just think Ohio State's, Ohio State's kind of similar to how we were talking about Alabama and Georgia. I think they get better week by week. Um, they're one of those teams that kind of uh, grows throughout the season. Um, so I expect them to blow the doors off Purdue. I do not think Purdue is any good. Uh, next, I'm taking Florida State minus 17 and a half. This is Syracuse at Florida State. This is another noon game. Um, Syracuse stinks. They just got their blown doors blown off by UNC at UNC. Now they have to go to FSU. Um, I think FSU covers that 17 and a half. Um, then riding back to James Madison. I love James Madison. James Madison minus six against Georgia Southern. Um, this is a Sunbelt battle. Georgia Southern is a very good, I think they're four and one team, uh, maybe five and one. Um, but I'm taking James Madison at home minus six. I believe James Madison is just a much more talented team. I also like them at home. That's a noon game as well. Uh, then going back to the Big Ten, you got Maryland minus 14, Illinois at Maryland, 330 game. I think this is a great bounce back spot for Maryland at home. They just went to Ohio State, lost. Illinois is also terrible. They are bad at football. Um, I love Brett Bielma. That his team fucking stinks. Um, so Maryland minus 14. I'm then going to USC plus two and a half. Probably gonna sprinkle money line as well. I believe this, like you said, legacy game, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams. Notre Dame's kind of backs against the wall. Um, I think the offense might be a little too much for Notre Dame. Um, but I I I don't I don't it's not it's not a given that Notre Dame will not be competing and make this a dogfight. Um and then I'm taking I'm taking UNC. Um Minus three and a half. Love UNC at home. We just broke down the game. I, I do think it could be a letdown spot for them. I'm believing in Drake May at home, coming off a big win against Syracuse. I believe they're going to be ready to go here. Um, I don't think they're going to be looking lightly on Miami, um, but it is it is a it's kind of a crazy spot for Miami to be in after losing on a fumble last week. Um, and then I'll save my mortal, but BCB, uh, let's hear it. Yeah, so short card plus the mortal so far. I'll tweet out the uh, the main card on Friday, still monitoring some stuff, so we'll see how kind of line movement goes. Uh, first one, first play on the card, kind of a contrarian play. I'm going Pitt plus seven and a half at home. I think this is kind of like a circle the wagons game for Pitt. Also, you got Louisville coming off the big win. Everyone's going to be riding Louisville. This is the kind of spot where they're going on the road. Like I said, it's going to be a big game for Pitt. It's usually a letdown spot for teams. So um, Louisville's the more talented team. I think even using K-Ford's numbers, they're probably about 12 points better. 
I'm going to take the seven and a half, uh, give Pitt one more chance. Uh, the second game here is a team we've been riding. They've been doing pretty good this year. They're actually fourth in the country in uh, yards per play on offense up there with Washington and Oregon and USC. It's New Mexico State. They're playing Sam Houston tonight. New Mexico State's laying the three. They kick off in about 15 minutes. Going to take a shot there. And then I've got Texas State minus 16 at Louisiana Monroe. We needed Texas State against a bad team laying a big spread a couple weeks ago to go perfect week. Texas State didn't get it done. I don't think they let down twice in the same spot. The UL Monroe defense has been pretty non-existent against good teams. So going to go ahead and ride uh, Texas again here. They've been a really efficient offense. I think they're about like eighth in yards per play that they're getting. Um, so I will uh, I'll ride Texas State to come out and get a big win one time. Love it. Um, then my mortal, I am taking Oregon plus three going to the big game of the week. And I'm a believer in Dan Lanning. I'm a believer in Bo Nix. I, I think Oregon's just, uh, the better team. Um, so I'm taking Oregon plus three, probably will also sprinkle on the money line here. Um, something, uh, bookies basement guy from the bookies basement already told me, always told me, uh, Shout out Hammer. Uh, he always says sprinkle on the money line. Um, so take a little money and sprinkle it on the money line here on Oregon. Um, but that that's my lock. I like it. I like it. I'll probably be Oregon money line too by the time it rolls around. Uh, got a little bit into the crumbs here uh, for my lock of the week, which is kind of my specialty. So let's see what we can do. I'm thinking Troy minus four at Army. Uh, the Army defense hasn't been as good this year as they have been in years past. The Troy defense has actually been really good. I think the Army offense is a little easier to stop now that they're trying to run everything out of the shotgun um, as opposed to running like triple option under center. The Troy offense also very, very good. Um, Army last year was up 9-0 on a half. Troy scored 10 in the second half. It was a lower scoring game. Uh, but anyway, I say that is a battle. You're not going to take the team lightly usually. If you played them the year before, they played you tough going to be a point of emphasis come out start fast start strong so give me troy minus four against a team that i just don't think has the horses to keep up with them love it sunbelt action oh yeah uh that's that's all we had for you this week uh appreciate you listening uh let's win some bets and hopefully bcb can enjoy his bye week and watch watch other teams play football and watch as much football as possible um but we'll talk to you next week yeah.